1000 rings, 1000 rings, 1000 rings. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Top 1000 Radio. I'm your host, Chris Naren. This is episode 24, song battle number 23. And we're going to start, well, let's start with a shout out to Italy, or should I say Arriva Derci. Um, I, they just added uh, listeners to from Italy, and we're glad to have everybody. Um, and so we're going to start off with our song notes. All right, let's song get cracking with When Doves Cry by Prince. When Doves Cry is the lead single from Prince's sixth studio album, Purple Rain. Prince's first number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100. Prince played all the instruments on the album, or on the track, uh, except there is no bass line on When Doves Cry. Next up, we have Starman by David Bowie. Starman is the lead single on Bowie's fifth studio album, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, 1972. It replaced the cover of Chuck Berry's Round and Round on the album. From Info Galactic, the lyrics describe Ziggy Stardust bringing the message of hope to Earth's youth through the radio, Salvation by an Alien Starman. The chorus is inspired by Over the Rainbow, sung by Judy Garland. While, the, uh, while other influences include T-Rex and the Supremes. It reached number 10 on the UK singles chart. Woman, by Don, written by Don Henley and Bernie Leadon, the second single from the band's debut album, Eagles, reached number nine on the Billboard Pop Singles chart. It would be the only song on the Eagles' debut album where Henley had a writing credit. Thank you. 
One Tree Hills, the fourth single from 1987's The Joshua Tree by U2, made it all the way to number one, but only in Australia. From Rocking in the Norselands, the track was written in memory of Greg Carroll, a Maori who worked for the band, who was killed in Dublin in 1986 while returning Bono's motorcycle. Pink Houses from 1983's Uh-Huh by John Cougar Mellencamp. It reached number eight on the charts. Inspired by seeing a black man sitting in front of a pink shotgun house holding a cat, Mellencamp wishes he had written a better final verse. Right, that's our song notes. Now let's look at, uh, we're going to do a little bit different of a feature here. Um, I am going to read to you Attilo's uh, uh, reviews. Attilo and Emo Sean are doing some pretty pretty hard work on these reviews, and I want to share them with you guys. Um, I'll, I'll actually play Emo Sean in his actual uh, real voice. Uh, here in a minute doing his reviews, but let me read Attilo's. Attilo starts with uh, When Doves Cry. Attilo gives When Doves Cry four four points. Enough said, but also summer. But I got to say, I also love the choir boy version in the lame teeny bopper movie production of Romeo and Juliet. Don't at me. It's a great, admittedly strange effect. Worth a listen for the adventurous. Starman gets a number gets a gets one vote <laughs> vote from Attilo. Always like that spot that's punctuated with the syncopated rhythm, like a Morse code transmission or something. But hey, I don't like listening to the song. Witchy woman gets a five from Attilo. Dude, I'm all, I'm about the blue, so yeah, my immediate pick. Always love this song. Bent blue notes for days. Eagles always got killer backing vocals up there with Fleetwood Mac. Also. That breakdown moment, one of the all-time best. Attilo gives One Tree Hill a three. Love this. Good vibe. It's got the classic U2 hope, vibrant energy, lush textures, great intro and epilogue. Pink Houses gets a two from Attilo. Never liked this song. Still don't. Apologies. How much irony is this? Is the Americana rock sound nostalgia juxtaposed with criticism? Is this an indictment? Disillusionment? Is it painting a picture of other people's disillusionment? Post-war problem discussion? Is it sarcastic? Is it a picture of the variety and the complexity of this country? 
morning economic class divide celebration of the working man? This is too much thinking for an 8 to 12 year old Cold War kid to enjoy and the bad vibes have lingered. That said, I still prefer the sound of it to Starman. All right, now we're going to play uh, Emo Sean's reviews in his actual real voice. Hello, Top 1000 radio listeners all over the globe. This is Emo Sean. Let's do this. Number five, When Doves Cry. Emo Sean's top pick reminds Emo Sean of water skiing. The Purple Rain soundtrack was a part of that trip in the summer of 84. Great song all around. Number two, Starman. Let all the children boogie. Been listening to Bowie a bit this year. The chorus keeps Emo Sean listening. That's why Starman is at two, while other songs went to higher spots. Number one, Witchy Woman. Great song. The Eagles don't miss. The song deserves to be on a playlist. It just isn't fresh for Emo Sean. He may allow a listen in October. Number four, One Tree Hill. You two, Joshua Tree, overall solid album. One Tree Hill is not Emo Sean's top song from the album, but haven't heard it in a while, so it brought Emo Sean satisfaction. Number three, Pink Houses. When Emo Sean gave Pink Houses a listen, it gave happy vibes. Emo Sean sometimes doesn't listen to lyrics. He lets the music dictate feels. This is Emo Sean's superpower. This song sent the Starman to two. Okay then, Emo Sean. Uh, I think Emo Sean needs to invest in some uh, looser pants. Uh, but let's do the polls here, all right? Let's go with uh, the uh, sensatorial laymen and women, all right? That's the lower house of the Colesaw Congress. They uh, were big for, um, well, it's kind of balanced out there because... They gave When Doves Cry a two, they gave Witchy Woman a two, give Starman a three, and One Tree Hill a three. So, uh, you know, a little more U2, David Bowie, than Eagles um, and uh, Prince. So uh, Pink Houses is going to get the the uh, default five because I left that off the list. The reason why I leave one off the list for the, uh, the Sensatorial Layman and Women poll is because uh instagram only gives me four spots so i can't do a fifth spot so that's why if you're wondering why um the council of learned elders came in big for pink houses uh and then just a close second was u2 and then you had witchy woman when does cry and then Starman. all right uh so how do i come down on it all right well, I'm going to give my second place to One Tree Hill by U2. Uh, Joshua Tree is, like Emo Sean said, it's a great album. Solid all the way through. One Tree Hill, um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite on the album, but that's 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 not really a, an indictment of the song. There, Every song, almost every... There's only like one song on there I, I kind of don't like, and it's, I think it's the Mothers of the disappeared i believe that one of the really slow kind of you know uh songs but it, it suffers from pretty much what the whole album suffers from and that is uh the volume on it is too low and i and you two knew that they they figured that out between 
making uh, the Joshua tree and making Octung Baby. And I think when they made, you know, they made Octung Baby, they said, we want this one to be able, you'd be able to crank it, you know. So, um, yeah, I like that song. It's It's got a great, you know, uh, it's a super chill song. And, um, you know, the the Edge is a very uh, limited guitar player in terms of his ability you know, to go up and down the fretboard and all that. But, um, you know, when he works with Brian Eno and I uh, forget what that other, I think they call uh, Daniel Lanois, I believe his name is. You know, that old team they had back in the day, uh, they really got everything they could out of the Edge's guitar. So uh, so that's my, num- my number uh, two place with four points. Uh, third place, I'm going to give When Doves Cry. I, I You know, that that song is... is uh, it, it it didn't hit me why it was so unique until I read about how it didn't have a bass line in it. And that's, that's kind of a trip, um, which it's, you know, very, uh, unique for a, um, you know, a, an artist like Prince not to have bass, uh, you know, a bass line in a song. And, um, so, but that, you know, um, it's a, it's one of those nostalgia type deals, uh, you know, freshman in high school, that song was everywhere, <laughs> and uh, I still like it when it comes on. I still give it a good listen. Then in um, second, or uh, gosh, I messed this up. Uh, we're going down to our fourth place song, and I'm going to give that to Starman by David Bowie. Uh, not my favorite Bowie song, but I like it. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's got a lot of, it's quirky, you know, that's the word that sums up David Bowie, quirky, but quality, like quality quirk. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I just like, I like, I like the fact that he, he completely rips off, you know, over the rainbow, um, and does it without you really, you know, noticing, you know, he's like a, he's like a cat burglar, you know, he comes in and he, he steals an entire, chorus of a one of the most well-known songs in the world and you don't even realize it until somebody tells you so that's that's a pretty you know they say good artists create and great artists steal you know i think that's what they say and i don't even know who they are but that's anyway so it comes down to witchy woman and pink houses which one am i going to choose i always do this i know i say that they're the one i leave off the the uh, sensatorial layman and women poll um doesn't give it away every time, but it seems like it kind of does. Um, so let's just talk about Witchy Woman before I get to my winner. So Witchy Woman is a song that uh, I'm going to kick to the curb. Uh, and it's mainly because uh, I don't really I don't really like that song because the, you know, talk about stealing, you know, the, the, the Indian... It sounds like a song that the Indians would be singing on a bad Cowboys versus Indian movie. Um, that I, I never that part never really like landed with me. Um, the some of the some of the you know middle of the song, you know, obviously it's a catchy song, uh, but it doesn't you know it doesn't start well enough for me for the middle of it to you know to make it work. I mean, obviously, it's a good song. You know, it's a very popular song amongst a lot of people. But um, for me, it just never was, you know, one of my favorite Eagle songs. 
All right, so that brings us to our winner, Pink Houses by John Cougar Mellencamp. He was still using the Cougar at the time. Um, I'm trying to remember when he dropped the Cougar, but this was the first album where he added the Mellencamp. I told you in our in a previous episode, um, and which was kind of weird, you know, at the time. You know, I had had been listening to John Cougar, Johnny Cougar, in the early days. Um, you know, back in the seventies and as a little kid, you know, I was a little kid in the seventies, but you know, Johnny Cougar, you know, that's how that's, that was who he was as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know why I thought when he added his real name, Mellencamp, that, that he was making some sort of hippie statement, you know, like, like the, like he was from a melon camp, like a camp for melons. Or so I, I, I don't know why as a, as a, I don't know, I was in junior high when it came out, why I thought he was making some sort of weird hippie, you know, uh, statement. And, uh, I don't know it, when you're junior in junior high, your brain doesn't exactly work well, but I've always loved this song. I love the guitar work on it. Uh, Kenny Aronoff's drums are always fantastic. Uh, I love that, but I love that guitar riff the, or the, you know, whatever you call it on an acoustic guitar, I guess it's a riff, but um, that one really lands with me. Um, I like the sentiment, um, you know, kind of addressing what Artillo said about Americana and what it really is. Um, I, I didn't really talk about it last time when, when Crumbling Down was on the list and and I did mention that Crumbling Down was an indictment of, of Reaganomics and all that stuff. And uh, here we go with Pink Houses is kind of, uh, you know, Mellencamp wasn't really, he wasn't really making the kind of same statement here. He, you know, as I said in the song notes, the, the song was inspired by him seeing a, a black gentleman sitting in front of a pink shotgun house with his cat and waving at him, you know and and the traffic going by and the guy just seemed plenty plenty happy and it, you know he just he was just writing about that he wasn't saying it's good bad or you know anything like that now now Mellencamp has his political views but one thing that I've always admired about him is his willingness to state that he doesn't know anything <laughs> he does, he doesn't you know he he'll give his opinion but he doesn't want anybody like you know following him in any kind of political way. All right. He, he's going to make his statement about the farmers. He's going to make his statement about, you know, like that whole album, the scarecrow was just all about that. And I always had a love hate relationship with, with that because, you know, I, you know, I, I liked Reagan as a president when I was a kid, because, you know, growing up during the cold war, we were scared to death. We were made to scare, be scared to death of the Soviet union, um, constant, you know, media propaganda making us fear nuclear weapons and that that all that kind of stuff. And you could, you know, you that that could make you hate Ronald Reagan. You you know, a lot of people hated him because they thought he was going to start a war with the Soviet Union. They thought he was too belligerent. And uh, but the way I took it was, you know, this guy actually wants to protect us. You know, he's he's looking to protect us, and uh, you know, he he's taking it to him. You know, we've we've gone for decades of, uh, containment, the containment policy where, you know, we're just, we're just trying to not let them take over the whole world, but whatever they do take over, we're going to let them keep it, you know, that kind of thing. And here Reagan was talking about rollback. He was talking about sending the Soviet union to the ash heap of history and things like that. And, um, I, 
I took that as, you know, this guy's willing to do what, what it takes to protect his country. Okay. Now, obviously you can take it a different way. That's fine. On economics, same thing. You know, the way I took it was, you know, he wanted to get the country back, you know, economically, you know, and, and the crumbling down, Mellencamp talks about it, you know, he'd been inspired by his cousin or somebody, he knows, brother-in-law losing his job as, as an electrical engineer. And, you know, my, my understanding of that, you know, I, I do teach economics. I do, you know, again, I'm going to make the same statement Mellencamp does. Don't, don't, follow me in any way on, on anything political or economic, but my understanding and the way, the way I, you know, the books that I've read and everything I've learned about that time period was people, you know, people lose their job for all kinds of different reasons. You could lose your job, you know, your company, somebody mismanages the finances and they go out of business, you know, but if the economy's good, you know, you'll get picked up pretty quick, you know, that kind of thing. But there was a really nasty, recession in in uh, 81 and 82 and it was it was you know one of the worst uh economic times in our country's history okay but there was a reason for that all right um you can forgive a guy like john mellencamp who doesn't probably didn't know anything about the federal reserve or interest rates or its effect on on cyclical economics the what they call the business cycle um all they see is people they know losing their jobs and farmers losing their farms. Okay. The bottom line on that whole deal was we were, we were experiencing runaway inflation kind of like we are now in the late seventies. And it was a result of decades of mismanagement. We had, you know, the Vietnam war, we had the great society and we, and, and we had presidents who were kind of browbeating the federal reserve into keeping interest rates low. You can maybe get away with two of those things, but you can't get away with all three. Okay, you can't have massive new social spending, a massive war, and really low interest rates, and expect you know the money supply not to inflate and prices to go up. Okay, and then not throw on throw in there the the oil prices and the whole OPEC thing and all that. So there was a it was a real mess in the seventies, and Jimmy Carter you know wasn't up to the job. All right. But while Jimmy Carter was president, the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates, and then they continued to do so. When Ronald Reagan came into office, they continued to raise. Interest rates were through the roof, okay? Double-digit, you know, in the 20%, up to upwards of 20%, okay? Massive, massive interest rate increases, okay? And that put us into a very deep, nasty recession, okay? But around 1983, the sun came out, okay? And right around the time uh, this album, Uh Uh-huh, was coming out, the economy started to boom, and it boomed big time. You know, the longest peacetime boom in in post-World War II history. And it doesn't mean everything went right. I mean, you know, the the thing with the farmers, that's, that's that's another issue. And, you know, I, growing up, you know, in a, in a farming community, um, you know, obviously it's sympathy for the farmers, but the thing is, is like what, what, what you would see if you were my age was, um, everybody wanted to get off the farm. Okay. And it made, it was probably different in the Midwest. I was in the South, you know, everything was cotton and soybeans and big, you know, big time farming, you know, huge cash crop kind of thing. The, the smaller family farm though, that, that was going the way of the dodo and it didn't have to happen that way. Uh, the government, uh, you know, 
kind of pushed it into that way and that kind of thing. So I, I, I can forgive the, the what I'm getting is I can give, I can forgive John Mellencamp and people like him for um, missing something that was going away. Okay, a, a way of life, uh, something that was truly American was going away. And that and that was bad, and and I don't think President Reagan understood it, and and you can go all the way back to Calvin Coolidge, and I don't think he understood it. Okay, and these guys were, you know, presidents I admired, but I what I think they missed, you know what, I was just thinking about it the other day, you know, what is conservatism and what is progressivism, and I think originally the the tension between the two was good for the country because conservatives were seeking to preserve the fire. Progressives were looking for better fuel for the fire, and as long as they were doing that, the the tension between the two pushed the country forward, and then at the same time, it it maintained our character. But I think sometime I, after World War II, at least, conservatives are merely trying to preserve ashes, okay, and progressives are trying to put out the fire, okay. They put out the fire, and then the conservatives try to preserve the ashes. And I think that's kind of, you know, kind of the reason why a, a president like Ronald Reagan couldn't couldn't see what we were losing with the small time farmers, you know, and also with manufacturing. Okay, and and you can say the th- same thing about every president since them. Okay, they've all done things to encourage uh, manufacturing jobs to go overseas and and. Uh, you know, farms to continue to consolidate into bigger operations, that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's why I I'm okay with you know Mellencamp's approach, all right. And to to a lesser extent, Bruce Springsteen's approach. I think Bruce Springsteen's is a, he's a much more cynical uh, songwriter than than Mellencamp is. Um, but we'll talk about Springsteen when we, you know, he he'll be on the list, and I'm a I'm, I enjoy his stuff a lot, you know, despite his his politics. But you know, that's that's my little political rant here. I I you know I don't want to I don't want to make any of this about politics, but when it comes up in a song, you know, it it is uh, appropriate to address it. Okay, so hopefully that made sense. All right, so let's talk about our challenger poll from last time. I know last time I was very hurried. Wanted to get out of here. Wanted to go see my new granddaughter, uh, and it was amazing. I've had you know an amazing couple of days. I got to see a, got to go to a wedding of a young lady who you know I've known since she was born, and uh, got to hang out with some great friends I haven't seen in a while, and got to hang out with my grandson all morning. You know, just very cool last couple of days. But I didn't uh, I didn't get to the um, the challengers poll last time. Uh, the, the challengers to replace Heartbreaker by Led Zeppelin were Blink-182, the Jackson 5, and I'm going to do with Jackson 5 what I do with Steve Winwood, and that is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include Michael Jackson's solo stuff with the Jackson 5 because there really isn't, you know, it really the Jackson 5 really isn't, like, you know, much without Michael Jackson, I don't think. Uh, you may disagree with me, but I don't, I don't think it is. You may be a huge Jermaine fan or... Maybe Tito's your guy. I don't know, but uh, but I'm gonna just make Michael Jackson stuff go all the way back to Jackson Five. All right, um, and then the Bengals made it on again, and they didn't make it this time <laughs> again. Uh, 
So it was close. It was uh, uh, Blink-182 barely beating out uh, Michael Jackson. And so what we're going to do is we're going to place Heartbreaker with All the Small Things by Blink-182. All right? And um, a couple of rule changes that I am toying with would be one is... uh, Given you guys a, a choice of keeping the song that I put as my last place, all right? You know, give you a choice between three bands or keeping my last place song, okay? So uh, we're not going to do that this time because I haven't had time to work out the, you know, logistics of that, but um, that's coming up. And there was an, oh, also, um, giving you guys a song from the challengers to choose, you know, so not just do you want this challenger to, to replace, but do you want this song by the challenger to replace uh, my last play song? All right. Okay. So our next uh, uh, challenger poll to replace witchy woman is going to be cheap trick Hardy. Now, if you never heard of Hardy, he is a country artist, from the great state of Mississippi, and he just put out an album that's kind of, you know, it's being hailed as groundbreaking. Um, there's a there's a couple of songs on there that are just absolute instant classics the moment you hear them. Um, so give him a shot. At least, if, if nothing else, go and listen to the song Wait in the Truck, okay? Go listen to the song Wait in the Truck by Hardy before you vote on the Challenger poll, okay? And then Santana's back. All right, Santana gets another shot at it. All right, that's our Challengers poll. And then our next song battle will be The Trees by Rush. This is going to be a weird song battle, by the way. Okay, so you got The Trees by Rush. You're going to have I'll Be Home for Christmas by Elvis. I warned you there's some Christmas songs on this list, and I'm going to treat them like songs. I'm not going to... This is going to really trigger Emo Sean. Emo Sean is... Uh, gonna go probably put on some even tighter pants, so um, <laughs> it'll we'll probably have to go get him. All right. Uh, then we have Street Fighting Man by the Rolling Stones, My Michelle by Guns and Roses, and <clears throat> get ready, millennials. Good riddance, time of your life by Green Day. I'm gonna have to try to find the the. Um, well, I'm not. I'm not going to play the intro to that because it uses a naughty word, but, uh, you know, so, <laughs> so that'll be, I, I know how the, uh, sensatorial laymen and women are going to vote on that one. It'll be interesting to see how the council of learned elders comes down on it. All right, folks, that'll do it for this song battle. We're going to play you out with another Rosetta's tone song. Uh, this is wish have a good one. Stop and look Cause she's taking you right
Like a carousel with 